Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi. What a shit show already. What's happened? Well, I put everything running around like a crazy person. Because the dogs make so much noise while we're trying to do this, I put Boo Boo in his crate. And of course, I'm getting all set up and he's crying and crying and it's ripping my heart out of my chest to hear him crying. So while I'm waiting for you, I run and let him out of the crate. And now he's got to be reassured and loved and he's sitting on my lap that he didn't do anything wrong and it's all me. Emotional damage. It's right. It's true. And because he's well, a little rescue, I don't know what kind of trauma he's been through and I don't want to add to his trauma. And I think I've decided we need to put pictures of our annoying pets on our Instagram page so that our poor listeners, if we have listeners... <laughs> can see who we're talking about when we complain. That's a good idea because between the two of us, we have a lot of pets to deal with. Yeah. And I just, I'm sitting here thinking I'm just my dog's bitch. I I know it. Yes. You're wrapped around that dog's little finger, little tail, whatever. We're all our, you too, Missy. Don't be acting like Yeah, okay. My dog's too big to crate, but then also he's just so big that he's loud when he cries. I'm pretty sure even if I put him in the backyard while we did this, we would still hear him crying. Oh my God, yeah. Through the second story window. (laughs) Yeah, he's unbelievable. (laughs) And I'm sorry, your dog is not too big to crate because I have had crates for Angel. And I'm telling you, I set the thing up and it looks like I'm crating a tiger. So... (laughs) It's so big. <laughs> you could put children in there or a normal size adult woman. So yeah. I guess we need to introduce ourselves again. Good. All right. So I am Rachel's mom, also known as Kara. And you and are I'm Rachel. And you're Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. We remember to do that. Mm-hmm. Anything, That's good. Anytime I remember anything is a win. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, geez. How are you this morning? Good. I'm a little tired. I actually stayed up to almost 11 o'clock last night, which what? for me is like, yeah, like literally four hours past my bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> Were you at the wedding the whole time? So we were at the wedding until like 930, 945. Those pictures were beautiful. What a beautiful wedding. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the venue was gorgeous. The decorations were great. Uh, you know, everything was really good. 
they had a really good officiant was also the bride's best friend and he oh, did a wow. really awesome this, yeah he did a really cute ceremony that was really custom to them mm-hmm. and they just had a lot of really cute things that i've never seen before like the guest book instead mm-hmm. of signing in an actual book yeah it was an audio guest book so there was a phone number for you to call and you're supposed to leave like a voicemail for the bride and groom oh my god you know i saw that pink telephone on one in one of the pictures on the table and i was like why do they have a pink telephone but it's so people can call what a great idea i've never heard of that super cute idea i've never heard of that either and then during the ceremony they didn't exchange vows with each other they wrote promises for each other but they wrote the promise for the spouse so like the bride wrote the promises that the groom had to read during the wedding oh oh that's different i've never seen that before it was really cute because for her one of her she wrote like three and he wrote three one of her promises was i promise to never run a half marathon again that was what she made him say (laughs) that was the promise that she wrote for him but then for him what he wrote for her was some promise about running more often or something oh my god like the opposite it was hilarious (laughs) oh that is funny (laughs) yeah okay well we'll wish them love and luck on their wedding my wedding my neighborhood wedding oh god who throws a wedding in a neighborhood and I'm thinking, be kind, come from a place of love and understanding, you know, who knows what their circumstances are, but to have, it was right across the street on the side street, they had a DJ, it was just really loud, I I could hear everything they were saying, I could hear their introductions, I almost got dressed because I was in bed reading, Uh, I almost got dressed and went across the street and said, look, if I have to listen to this shit, I'm going to be drinking at your wedding but I decided not to and it really didn't go all that long so you know my neighbors have had parties that last longer and are louder so it was all right everybody's happy and it's over that's good yeah yeah backyard weddings can be really cute but then at the same time because your neighbors are constantly throwing parties yeah you're just over them in general I am between the people next to me, the people across from me. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The live band people down the street. If I ever find out where they are, I swear to God, God help them. All right. So you ready to do this? Yes, let's do this. All right. Let's dive right in. Go ahead. Intro the book. Okay. So this book is Dragon's Baby, book one in the Red Planet Dragons of Taj series by Miranda Martin. Did you notice in the title, it said the new and lengthened 2022 edition? I did. So when we had made that list of all the things that we wanted to read. Yes. When we looked at this book then, and I don't know how this happened, but when we looked at the book then, it said it was written by Miranda Martin and somebody else. What? And it had come out a few years ago. And then when I went to down the... You're you're a little loud. I don't know how that's... I'm just afraid how that's going to come out. You know what I'm doing today is I'm using... I'm actually using the microphone again. Okay, maybe push it away a little bit. Um, Okay, let me try to move it further back. I already have it like a foot away from my face, so. Really? Whoa. Yeah. You've got so much practice yelling at those children. (laughs) I think between yelling at the kids and then also I'm just a loudspeaker and I think I've mentioned this before my ears been all sorts of messed up ever since I got COVID 
what? No, I didn't know that. What happened? What do you mean? So one of my ears, it's like clogged or oh. I've like lost hearing <gasps> or something's happened to this ear, one of my ears since I got COVID. And I've actually heard other people what? say that they've had the same problem oh my <laughs> after God. they had COVID. Oh, it's so it's so weird. It's so random. Did it? Does it go away? Did you tell your doctor? I mean, I'm assuming it'll go away eventually, but I constantly feel like that ear is like, it doesn't feel weird. It doesn't feel congested, but I can tell that like the hearing in that ear is different. And my whole like sinuses feel congested. Like I feel like I sound congested Oh, honey. probably because my ear is messed up. Oh, well, I just found the volume control on my little laptop thing. So maybe you're not loud. Maybe it's just me needing to adjust the, since we're such, since we're such a, oh yeah, there's one of your pets. See this, I think the microphone is also extra sensitive or something because my door is closed and he's outside. What? Let me open the door and let him in. But see, this is also the cat who likes to cry at the door. But then when I open the door, he doesn't walk in because he's an asshole. Oh my God, that's just like Angel. <laughs> She'll go and stand at the sliding glass door like she's go to the bathroom after we're comfortably all cuddled on the sofa and me and Boo are fine. And I open the sliding glass door and she just stands there and looks out like, you bitch. Yeah, but then if I shut the door again because he's not walking in, he's gonna... Oh, there, he just walked in. So now I just shut the door because he walked in and I let's set a timer yeah. 30 seconds from now. <laughs> He'll cry to go out. No, the kitten's going to scratch and cry at the door because she wants to be in with him. Oh, dear God. All right. Ridiculous. So anyway, what what's the deal with the new and lengthened? So when we had originally looked at the book, it said this author and another author and the page length was like 170 pages or something because we had originally said we were going to do this as one episode. Oh, but then when we went to download the book, it said like 330 pages, only this one author's name and like new and lengthened 2022 edition. Yeah, that's really so, confusing. I don't know. I don't get that. Maybe it was a novella or something that she did with a co-writer. And then for some reason, now she's doing the series by herself and like reworking it. Mm, okay. I think this book originally came out in 2016 or 2017, something like that. Oh, all right. Well, let's chat about it. Okay. So because this book is long, we're going to do the first 17 chapters or attempt to right the only trigger warning i could kind of see or think to do was either rape or attempted rape when we get to that scene we can clarify because i'm actually not really sure what happened in that scene so i wasn't sure all right what to warn you guys about but just know something happened all right some kind of sexual assault all right yes okay so do you want to start with chapter one sure so this book is written in dual pov so chapter one starts in the female main character's point of view her name is callista callista works on a base station as a botanist and she's working on a new strain of wheat for when they get to their destination she's in a huge hurry and she's running all through the space station trying to get to her work before she is late because if she's 30 minutes late she gets some sort of dock in her credits but if she's like 29 minutes and 59 seconds yeah 
she's still good. Mm -hmm. So she's running like a bat out of hell through the entire space station trying to get there. Her boss, his name is Gershom. He's a real jerk. And we find out later he's kind of a pervert. Yeah. And she is able to run into the lab and clock in with just enough time to make it before that 30 minute window because she has a friend and a colleague named Jolie who's there. And Jolie's like literally holding the door open for her and screaming down the hallway, run Callista, run! Yeah, and I like <laughs> the fact that this jerk of a boss tells Jolie close close the door and she's like yes sir I'm doing that I'm holding the door she's like slowly closing the door but still holding it for Callista Mm -hmm. and she's also typed in Callista's employee ID number or something to get help her get started Mm -hmm. so that's the start of her day then she has her day at work and at the end of the day her disgusting boss Gershom comes up to her and ends up asking her out for dinner and dot 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 entertainment Ugh. yeah gross. gross and he apparently has a thing for her and she can't stand him so I, I found it interesting that sexual harassment at work is still alive and kicking in whatever year this book takes place like women they never are free of that crap she even thinks about how her boss is older than her i can't remember by how much but because they are on this space station and this is the sort of space journey that is going to last their entire lifetime Mm -hmm. it almost makes the men more proactive and they really don't put any work into wooing you because your options are incredibly limited right and everybody knows your job it besides working on this thing is to procreate so that multiple generations live on this ship while they're trying to find another planet that can house all of them. Exactly. So even though her options are limited, she's definitely not interested in him. And she kind of gives him the brush off of like, that's not appropriate because we work together. Mm -hmm. She even says at one point, or she thinks to herself, because he's, he's leering at her. She said, there's something about the look in his eye that terrifies me. I'm like, oh, God. He's a futuristic creeper. <laughs> yeah, I hate him. All right. So they, they're finished their day at work. Jolie rescues her from him trying to corner Callista. And they head to a bar called Cosmos appropriately. It's some hot spot on the ship. And it's designed to create some kind of idea that they can see all the stars because they are stuck in the ship they did some kind of uh design that was a choice of her grandparents so their grandparents so it's crazy how long these people are on the ship it really is so while she's in cosmos waiting for her table for dinner she's thinking about the ship in general so we get some good background on the ship the ship is called the generation ship because it was designed by all of their grandparents and the journey is so long that nobody that's currently on the ship is supposed to set foot on a planet. Yeah. They're supposed to have like two more generations after them. Yeah. And they that they are, are on the ship. They are the third generation. So yeah, their grandchildren, the people living on it now, their grandchildren are going to be the ones to land on a planet. Mm-hmm. She thinks we're the third generation aboard the ship. Two more generations will live here before the journey is over. Crazy. Yeah. And her and Jolie start talking about love, you know, and Jolie apparently is a, a real romantic and she believes in love and 
Callista is kind of on the fence. And Jolie tells her, you have no idea how cute you are. And she's like, nah, I'll stick to science, thank you. Callista is the science geek Mm -hmm. who's just comfortable in her role as a science geek. And I don't, she doesn't really harp on that, that she's a science nerd. But she also doesn't really go out of her way to meet men, it sounds like. Right. And while they're talking, she, out of the side of her eye, she sees some kind of flash of light. Says to Jolie, did you see that? And Jolie's like, no. And then their other friend walks up. Inga? Inga, yes. Okay. So Inga's there. So we get to meet her a little bit. She doesn't join them for dinner, but they do talk to her while they're waiting for their table. They talk about some philosophical stuff about basically like, what's the meaning of life? And do you think that we are better as humans than our grandparents were and the people that lived on earth or are we gonna get to this new planet and we're gonna have the same issues so there's some psychological social conversation happening yeah because apparently the violence and the hate and the bigotry is what destroyed earth and so there are still people such as her boss who rant about what he refers to as vagrants and think of them as less than human and they're not like that they think everybody should be equal i think there's also some sort of rule on the spaceship that you're only allowed to have a certain number of children so any child that's born after that number is automatically almost put in jail or Mm. discriminated against or seen as less than. And so they're kind of talking about how it's not that child's fault. Like they didn't ask to be born. It's because their parents couldn't follow the rules. And so they're talking about a lot of kind of social things that are happening on the ship. Callista and Jolie do eventually get their table for dinner, but the whole time they're at the table, Callista's mind is kind of wandering to these bad feelings that she's having. She keeps thinking something bad is going to happen. She can't really shake the feeling. And she has seen that flash off in the distance, in the stars, basically, Mm -hmm. a couple of times. Even to the point where I think she asks somebody, are the fighter jets doing practices right now? Because I keep seeing something. And they're like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. A little ominous. Yeah, scary. I could never go on a ship, I'm telling you. Uh, I'd rather, let me die with the planet. I'm not leaving Earth. I have no desire to go in space. It just freaks me out. Freaks me out too. Yeah, so anyway, they nobody else is reacting to what she's seeing. So the next thing we know, I guess it's the next morning and she didn't sleep good. The dorms is where everybody sleeps. She shares a space with two other girls. One of them is Jolie, who's obviously very much a morning person. And the other one is called Amara, who is not a morning person. (laughs) Amara is a pilot and a soldier. So apparently you only get out of the dorms when you couple up and you start to have your own kids and your own Mm -hmm. family. So because none of these women have done that yet, they're in that dorm system. Mm -hmm. And Amara is one of the first female fighter pilots and she stayed up late because last night they were assigned extra patrols. So comboing that with Callista's feeling of something is off and something's going to happen. Yeah. She really kind of freaks out and her and Jolie ask Amara a bunch of questions. And Amara is very like cagey and doesn't really tell them much while they're talking about 
what's going on and should there be a cause for concern and it's very weird that you had these extra patrols because that really doesn't happen right all of a sudden something knocks all of the women off balance and the whole ship goes like canters and off balance and like a big bang or a shuffling around Mm -hmm. the and the alarms go off the dreaded red light comes on that apparently the red light lasts forever (laughs) as a warning something's wrong danger it's an emergency alarm and it's sounding and now they're freaking out that they have to get to the life pods and come on girls we've trained for this our entire lives we know what these mean so the girls are freaking out amara is not really freaking out because she is a soldier Mm -hmm. so they all make their way out of their dorm room and they start trying to make their way to the life pods yeah and people are screaming it's total mayhem there's smoke filling the hallways. It's everything your biggest nightmare would be. It's not just smoke, but then they hear like popping sounds and they're like, oh my God, is that gunfire? Because really not supposed to shoot guns on ships or is it laser fire or either way, it's not good. Right. Get me out of here. Right. Go ahead. Amara ends up finally saying that it's pirate and they're like, are you shitting me? <laughs> that w- they all thought pirates were a myth. And Amara explains, no, they're not, they're not, they're being attacked and you need to calm down. And all she keeps saying is get to your stations, get to your stations. Amara automatically falls into the role of being the leader of trying to get these two other women to their life pods. It's a very intense situation for sure. Yeah, I felt it. Oh yeah. Oh boy. So they make decent progress trying to get to their life pods, but then all of a sudden they hear a blood curdling scream of no Mm -hmm. and they decide that they have to go help whoever it is that scream yes so they kind of veer off to the side they end up coming across three alien men and a fourth man alien Uh that looks like he's raping a woman or he's assaulting her at somehow he's got her down on the ground he's trying to do something yeah her clothes are all messed up so we're not exactly sure what he's doing but it's not good yeah they're wearing black space leathers and they're armed with clubs and one of them has a laser gun and aren't they orange yes why why are all the bad guys you know the bad guys that (laughs) you know what i mean yeah i'm referring to okay go ahead so the three ladies Callista, jolie and amara end up fighting these four aliens they end up killing all of them and rescuing the girl that was being assaulted turns out the girl being assaulted was inga yes poor inga i know poor thing so now all four of the women band together and start going towards the life pods again right they're getting a little bit closer but now they've come across another bunch of pirates and these pirates are fighting against the general of the ship she's referred to as lady general rosalind mm-hmm. and she sounds like a complete badass yes, she she's does. really holding her own against these pirates right. and they try to rush to her aid but Callista ends up getting thrown into a wall and ends up getting knocked out yeah so she ne- they never do make it to the life pods unfortunately we switch to another point of view and that point of view is for somebody named Layden. Yeah. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, that is how I say it. Okay. So he's on a desert planet and he's watching the horizon. He's got these protective eyelids. Mm -hmm. I think camels have these. So they have like two eyelids. He's like, 
looking at the horizon and he's got these weird eyelid coverings. He's got a tail. He's thinking about how the city used to be thriving, but that was before what he refers to as the devastation. Yeah. And now he's alone. Mm-hmm. He thinks about how he's the ruler of the city and he owns that territory, but it's very lonely and miserable because he's the only person, the only being, I guess I should say. Right. Did you mention he also has wings? No, I didn't. Uh, not yet. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. Right. He has wings. Yes. He also has what I kind of think as a split personality almost. He's a shifter, but he's not. Not a shifter. He thinks about retreating into something called the Bijas. Yeah, I, I was a little confused about that. So it sounds like the Bijas is his kind of how a shifter has like their human persona and then they have their animal within them. Mm-hmm. So when they shift, the animal takes over. He has the same thing, but he doesn't ever shift. So he just has that consciousness in him. And when it takes over, his body doesn't change. It was a little different, but not fully explained. He thinks about how the Baijus only allows for survival and dominance and has no complex thoughts or emotions. Baija is described as a dragon. He's got some futuristics on his body of a dragon, like the tail, the wings, reptilian eyes. Talks about how he's got some scales, but he's also kind of a man in his features. So yes, I picture him that he looks like a man, but he has dragon features. I was thinking... This just came to me that as we're discussing how he looks, it's almost as if he's a constant hybrid of the two things. He's part man and part dragon constantly. Yes. That's a good way to think of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He thinks about himself and he thinks in these moments, it's as if I am two people in my own head. The primal part of me that is the Baijus is reacting, destroying that which threatens its control. Mm -hmm. The other me is the me that thinks and to some degree remembers. Mm -hmm. So he's constantly fighting between the two, the two things. But right now he's allowing himself to basically wallow in his sadness. And he thinks that tomorrow he will stop wallowing and he will survive and he will hunt. And today is a day for emotions. Yeah, and you forgot to describe, or maybe you're not there yet, but I am, (laughs) how he's looking and there's a rusting framework of a playground and he's thinking back to when there were young Zamaj, Z-M-A-J, and there are... There will be no more children, he's thinking. And then he says, my prime cock is hard and throbbing. I gave up all hopes of fatherhood long ago. I definitely highlighted that too, Mm -hmm. because that really was like, what's happening Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, this is a very interesting (laughs) aspect of him. It's a very interesting aspect of any male character we've read before. (laughs) Yeah, definitely different. Um, Mm -hmm. So he goes into his building to sleep and he's walks by technology that is left behind he doesn't like it he doesn't like this technology and even though these individual their individual booths apparently aligning a wall and he says one of them is flickering to light and reacting to his presence so it's almost like a motion detector you walk by it and all of a sudden it starts to activate when he looks at the screen his hands start to ball into fists feels rage i think it starts to show him like a video from the 
devastation. Yeah. So it makes him even more emotional than he's all up in his feels, as the kids would say. <laughs> he's having an emo moment. Oh, okay. And it, it's showing him the devastation and he's remembering that this is when he lost everything. So even though he's half reptile dragon their civilization was very technologically advanced yeah they had buildings they had a city it's very interesting that that but you know who knows what's out there it's a cool mix of dinosaur species (laughs) but also futuristic jetson things Mm -hmm. did i tell you speaking of you know how i love dinosaurs i just joined a new group on facebook called dinosaurs against christians (laughs) okay yeah it's that's interesting. It's very, it's is, bizarre. Is it like an evolution group or something? Uh, I don't know, but they have dinosaur stuff. It's cute. But why they have to be against Christians, I don't know. I guess because Christians don't believe in dinosaurs. I, I don't know. Anyway. Dinosaurs go against the God created man theory. So creationists and evolutionists are not on the same page so what do they think somebody's just somebody's trying to trick them by burying dinosaur bones and dinosaur fossils i'm sorry please stop trying to use logic yeah it's science when the bible trumps everything (laughs) god (laughs) wow yeah we can't have science and religion apparently yeah it's you might as well think of it as a book of spells because it's really Come on, there's science and there's this book of spells. But anyway. I'm sure I did a horrible job of recapping what their beliefs are, but no, I thought- this is what I understand their beliefs are. Yeah. So the next thing we know, we're back in Callista's point of view and she's starting to come to and her head hurts really bad and she's really, really, really hot. She tries to open her eyes, but she's just super thirsty. She feels like she's eating sand and it's so hot. She says, I must be trapped inside the sun. And then, you know, it hurts to breathe and she hears people moaning and crying. Fortunately, she hears Jolie's voice saying, calling her Callista, are you alive? And Callista says, maybe and this planet apparently has two suns and the sand she describes as red with white streak and she sees pieces of debris and steel everywhere so they've definitely crash landed on a desert planet Mm -hmm. and it's not great no yeah so amara is there too and Callista's thinking i'm actually looking at a horizon something she never thought she would be doing is standing on a planet and they're trying to figure out what planet they have crashed on (sighs) okay so they start having this debate which kind of annoyed me because they're debating over what planet this looks like so they start thinking about how it's a star trek planet or it's a star wars planet and they say it's tatooine because it's desert or it's vulcan and this goes on for a while And I'm not going to lie, it really bugged me. Yeah, it's like, I'd be screaming my head off. We're going to die. We're going to die. Wouldn't give a shit what planet we're on. But, you know, they look around and there's the colony ship is part buried in the sand and there's bodies all over the landscape. Some people are alive, but they've lost people. Everything that they've known, all the research they've done, they're trying to develop this plant so that they have a source of food everything is gone they're realizing that they need to find shelter now because it's so freaking hot and water so they need shelter and water and they need to find out who else survived the crash so she thinks about the ship that it's partially buried in the sand Mm -hmm. 
and that it rises up hundreds of feet in the air. Mm -hmm. And then later in the chapter, she also thinks about how the ragtag group is the last of humanity. And she thinks about all the lives that were lost. Yeah. And then she says millions of lives are gone. So does that mean there were millions of people on this ship? And how big was this thing? <laughs> I don't know. I, I highlighted that too, made a note of that too. They're also worried that the pirates survived the crash. Are there people ha on this planet? Are they friendly? Are the pirates alive? Do they have to worry about that? Yeah, I don't know who these millions are unless she's thinking about the generations. I don't know, Rachel. I have no idea. So I'm thinking that the ship is really, really, really big because I think they had people from all over the world in the ship. They do eventually find some shelter in the ship itself. They find a hole and like go in the mm -hmm. ship and they meet up with some other people. And one of the people that's in there is that General Rosalind. Yes. She's starting to take charge like she should because she's the captain basically of the ship right. so she says that sections of the ship were sealed off to try to save as many people as possible unfortunately because of the damage done the sections broke off from each other our section crash landed on this inhospitable planet now survival is our first and only priority so i think what they're in is not the full ship it's just part of the ship and then this also makes me really interested in what planet did the other sections go to yeah that was going to be my next question these other sections then are hurling through space and going to land on a planet i don't know but we don't get to that i would assume so but i also think it's kind of a good setup for this author to have more oh books God. in this series yeah. somewhere else yeah, tons of tons of books are on the horizon mm -hmm. so the general starts asking people you know what's your specialty you know she's trying to organize everything and calissa tells her bioengineering specifically pertaining to botany and she thinks good we're going to need you to start cataloging if there's any edible plants on this planet or well i think because there is no rescue the general immediately says this is not a possibility to get rescued so we have to figure out what we're working with right so she assigns everyone a task and because Callista and Jolie were part of the food resource scientist group what have mm -hmm. you she wants them to go and check out the plants on the planet and figure out what's there and hopefully get some food going but of course now who pops up but the cockroach that he is Gershom. Yes. And of course, he's still a creeper. Mm -hmm. And he says things like, I should be in charge of them because I was in charge of them when we were in the spaceship. And I know how to deal with scientists and food is really the most important resource. So I should be in charge of everything, not just the workers I had before. He really tries to do a power grab here. Yeah, I can't stand him. And if I, I would have told him if I were Callista and Jolie at this point, fuck you, we're in survival mode. I'm not listening to you anymore. So I don't know why they're listening to him. Because eventually Rosalind realizes he's he's going to be dividing the survivors, which is going to be a problem. And so she needs to keep an eye on him. And so 
she says, oh, okay, you can, you can be in charge of these. Because Jolie also speaks up and says, I'm also a botanist. And he's like, oh, yes, she's one of my people. I think Rosalind makes him in charge of the scientists because it's the whole keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Right, yeah, he's a piece of shit. So now everyone has a task. So even though Callista basically has a brain injury, yeah. a concussion, who knows what, mm-hmm. she needs to go off and check for supplies and food sources and what have you right so she's preparing to do that and we switch back to Layden's point of view mm-hmm. he's hunting for an animal called the bivo yep. this is where we learn a little bit more about his race the zamaj z-m-a-j mm-hmm. Layden has wings and he uses a blade that he refers to as a low caber yes Lockaber. Mm-hmm. He uses that blade to kill the bivo. He dissects the bivo and he wants to save some of the meat for later. And he starts heading back to his home with his prize, all of this meat that he's packaged up. Mm-hmm. When he sees a blinding flash of light in the sky and something falling to the planet's surface. Yep. He gets an instant pull to search the falling object for treasure because he is a dragon. So the pull for treasure yeah. is very strong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought that was adorable. I did too. He calls it sky. I have to claim the sky treasures before other males see it. So <clears throat> there are other males of his species on the planet. Because he mentions having to get to this sky treasure before they do. Rage burns in his veins and he's hissing because the treasurer from the sky will not wait. I have to get there first. I really liked this line where he thinks there is no doubt that other males will have seen this event and want to claim the sky treasures for themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, if sky treasure isn't the cutest fucking nickname. <laughs> yeah. For your mate, I don't know what is. Does he mean the whole ship? I don't know. He doesn't know what it is yet, right? He, he No, he doesn't know what it is. It's just a, the possibility of something. He, he doesn't even know that there's women on the ship yet. Yeah, he has to. he's thinking, I have to investigate this. I have to gather the treasures as much as I can carry and take them back to my city. There was many of them, so there are others. And then he thinks, what if there are survivors? others that came here before the war before the devastation he thinks about how they used to travel with and trade with the stars yeah so they used to be able to get off planet i guess right however long ago it was before the devastation sounds like a really long time ago because he even thinks how many years has it been since i've seen another zamaj yeah and he thinks too many and there are no females the females didn't survive the aftermath of the devastation. Mm-hmm. He thinks that he is among the last of his race. Right. And that only a handful of them are left to live with no purpose, which is so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says we have our territory and the treasures we collect, but no heirs to hand them mm-hmm. to. Oh. I know. This poor guy. It's all right. Everything's going to be okay. I know, but he's like the horde king who's getting his chest (laughs) together for his future mate. He's getting all his treasures together, but he doesn't think he'll ever have anybody to give it to. I know. He starts hurrying towards this craft, comes on the top of a dune, and he sees the crash, and the sun is shining off of it and he sees things moving across the sand and he calls them creatures that are looking at the debris and he can tell they're not of his race he gets closer and there's no tail for balancing there's no wings to offset their weight 
and he's able to cover himself in the sand. It's really kind of a creepy but interesting skill that he has where, you know, he's able to watch them and study them while he's camouflaging himself under sand. That was kind of cool. He keeps burying himself under the sand so he can hunt or Mm -hmm. observe. And he sees one of these creatures heading in his direction oblivious to his presence he thinks he recognizes on some primal instinct that it is a she Mm -hmm. the features of its face are small without ridges or scales delicate like a fine milky glass but pink from exposure to the sun she has long hair that comes down past her shoulders Her lack of tail and wings is fascinating. (laughs) It forces her to move much slower than would be ideal. She marches over the dune, so I follow, staying low to the ground so I won't be noticed. (laughs) He sees her sweating, and he thinks, why is she leaking precious moisture like that? That is very wasteful. I put that in my notes, too, yeah. But then she gets close enough that something in him thinks, mine? Yeah treasure Mm -hmm. and he thinks only then do i realize my claim it's impossible she's not zamaj i can't lay my claim rational thought pales before the certainty of the dragon she is mine the one meant for me yay i love that yeah i did too (laughs) that's always my favorite part of the right (laughs) Yeah, and he notices that she's wavering after she's looking at a she finds a plant, she's looking at it, she gets up and she's having a harder and harder time walking, which is starting to worry him and her skin is red and the moisture is no longer forming on her brow and he's very worried. She speaks and I don't know why or what to and he thinks the sound of her voice is the sweetest music I've ever heard. She ends up being very chatty in this book. So I think she just talks a lot yeah or maybe she thinks out loud Mm -hmm. i guess her water bottle's empty she drops it and she realizes she needs to get back she's getting heat stroke so she turns around and starts going back the way she came he wants to know if they have something called epis so epis is something that you have to have on the planet to help you survive Mm -hmm. and he's stalking her as she's walking staggering away her way along until she finally collapses his heart skips a beat and he's thinking is she hurt and he stays in his position long enough to see if she moves again and when she doesn't that's when he approaches her and drops to the sand besides her and he can tell the heat's too much for her she's not built for survival on this planet so what does he do well what can the only thing he can possibly do He's going to save her. He scoops her up. Yeah. I really liked how this chapter end because he thinks about how the only answer to this problem is to take her home. And he thinks she will be my greatest treasure. Yeah, I like that too. Super cute. Mm -hmm. So he has to venture to find a suitable resting place for them to spend the night because they're not that close to his city. He ends up taking her to an oasis that has some water Mm -hmm. and he starts undressing her because he realizes that her clothing isn't meant for the heat and it's actually trapping the heat on her body instead of allowing it to cool down. Mm -hmm. So not only does she have a concussion probably from the fighting and the crash landing, but now she has heat stress. Of course, yeah. (laughs) But while he's doing this, trying to help her, he ends up touching her entire body. I think he touched her from her hair to her little baby toe. And he's giving her a sponge bath. But before he does that, he's thinking of all the danger that's there. There's things called 
dusters and the sesmis that are that hunt in packs and he's not going to be able to protect her and fight them and the worst thing on this planet is the zamal they're enormous sandworms and i thought oh no they're considered the most dangerous predator on the planet they hunt by vibration i just thought here we go again with the earthworm yeah. and mm-hmm. tremors movie yeah creature like i've seen this before yeah right but then he gets to the oasis and that's when he starts touching her and thinking that he needs to gather the epis which is dangerous and not something i can do easily (sighs) can we talk about when he's touching her and trying to like cool her off yeah (laughs) (laughs) did you find this a little weird or no um yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah he can't really get her to wake up right and she's not really responding so he's takes all of her clothes off and he's rubbing his hands on her legs and he thinks about how she needs to get this epis thing so that it will keep her alive right so he thinks how he has to get the epis for her even though it's dangerous that she's beautiful and the perfect treasure but then he starts getting a scent from her mm-hmm. so he pushes her legs apart and he starts basically doing a full body exploration of her privates yeah oh my god yeah when i mean full body like he went excavating (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yeah he did he was outside the tunnel inside the tunnel Uh uh-huh oh my god yeah and he thinking my prime penis extends and hardens mine The dragon's claim is strong and I grow involuntarily. My hard primary cock stiffens even more, desiring to take her. But that is not my purpose. I'm saving her, not having her. Okay, so he's not doing it in a sexual way. He's doing it in kind of a scientific exploration way. Oh yeah, we'll call it that. Yeah, it's like a combination of scientific (laughs) exploration, but also male curiosity. Mm-hmm. It was a little disturbing because he really, it's not like he's inspecting her elbow this closely. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. He's like pulling her apart. He's like pushing the button he refers yeah. to as. Finds a tunnel and he's all, this must be her reproductive channel different from his species. Not that different because he knew to stick his finger right. in there. <laughs> what yeah (laughs) oh my god so he's rubbing on her clit when she finally wakes up oh dear god yeah so because she's he like touched her on the button he calls it a button she kind of moved a little bit so he's thinking oh she's responding while i touch her here let me touch her more and try to wake her up yeah that's how he's (laughs) gonna wake her it's like folgers in your cup but (laughs) dragon in your underwear yeah (laughs) what Oh, yeah. But it works because she does wake up. Her eyes go wide and she looks around and she screams and starts crawling backwards. She's shaking her head and her mouth is moving, but he doesn't understand what she's saying. And he's speaking in his language and he's trying to tell her, you're safe. He says, you're safe. I will protect you. But she can't understand him. And now she's naked. Right. And I love how she starts to scream. And he basically jerks back so hard that he falls out of whatever <laughs> makeshift shelter he's built. Out. Yeah, I, I like that too. Oh my god. 
awkward. Yeah, and she's screaming no, and he moves forward, but then he moves backwards, and she's like, does he understand me? And she's like, give me a minute. He's in a sitting position, and she's trying to assess the situation. She's, she's trying to call on her scientific background to keep her from totally freaking out. And she thinks emotions have no place. I This is research. It says, mentally, I cloak myself in my scientific training, donning it like metal armor. So she's almost like him, where he's the man part and the dragon part. She's almost the woman part and the scientist part. Right. So that's kind of a cool comparison between the two or similarity, I guess I should say. Yeah. And she remembers that she was getting heat stroke and she must have passed out. There's grass underneath her which is interesting. And she's like, I'd love to have some samples to take to my lab and look at them under a microscope. And she realizes that the lab is gone and the loss hits her and she starts crying. Mm -hmm. And he, he leans into her to try to figure out what's going on. And she, she lets out a yelp and he freezes and staring at her. And she thinks he has beautiful green shade eyes but pupils that are not human, they're slits like a cat or a lizard. And she's like, oh, a lizard makes sense. Look at him. He has scales and a tail and even wings. And she's like, scales? He has light patterns of scales around the edge of his face that gradually grow larger as they go back and they shimmer in the light that is coming off the moon. And he has horns that protrude from his forehead along the ridge of a hard ridged bone on his face. I think it's helping her to try to analyze him. It's definitely helping her to calm down and not panic where she can focus on these things that she can see and she can make sense of. Right. And she thinks he's a dragon man, a lizard dragon man. Mm -hmm. So they try to talk to each other using a combination of hand gestures. They're trying to use words even though they don't understand each other. And he's finally able to get close enough to her to pick up her water bottle mm -hmm. and hand it to her to try to get her to drink from it. So she really starts to calm down. Oh boy, does she. Okay, she calms down so much. This is another reason I'm thinking she's definitely got a head injury here <laughs> because she okay she calms down so much that she lets him massage her legs yeah. and continue his exploration yeah we'll call it of her lady bits mm -hmm. of her she cave if you will yeah. and she thinks she's horny unreasonably unexpectedly turned on well yeah she was getting finger fucked by the dragon while she slept so of course she's turned on right <laughs> I, I wouldn't be i'd be terrified but okay she is and she thinks about how she drops all of her defenses giving herself over to his gentle menstruations like does she ever yeah does she he starts touching her everywhere yeah he ends up doing exactly what he was doing before she has an orgasm and when she's done, he wants to continue. Now it's his turn, right? Yeah. This is where we find out that he's wearing what's basically a kilt. Yeah. <laughs> he's a Highlander dragon lizard man. Uh-huh. You're like an alien dragon Highlander. And she says it in a Sean Connery accent, which I appreciate. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah. As soon as he does that she starts to resist and she gets a little overwhelmed because of course he's got a gigantic package. Oh, I think she also thinks of him being like seven feet tall. Right. So he's super tall. Of course, mm -hmm. everything about him is proportional. Of course. So she freaks out and doesn't want to have sex with him, but then he just ends up jerking off 
onto her stomach. Yeah. Oh my god. This man is very forward. Well. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) he's got, I guess because for him, he's already had that mine treasure response. There's no wooing or there's no, he's just basically, we're there. You're my wife now and we're good to go. And she doesn't really put up any resistance to him at all, ever. I'm not saying I hated it. I'm just saying it's a little different. It is different. It's definitely different. And it's kind of confusing that he has this primitive, you're mine, we're together now. You know, he carries this sword on his back. But he's from an advanced civilization that built buildings and had a dome over the city to protect them from their enemies. It's really kind of a confusing dichotomy of his life and what he is and what he thinks. Did you ever see that Will Smith movie, I Am Legend? It's kind of like that almost. Oh, that movie was so creepy. It was a good movie Mm -hmm. though. But anyways, now that they're done with all of the things that they've done with each other, or that he's done, I should say, she hasn't really done anything. He ends up holding her until she falls asleep. Yes. She's feeling very comfortable with him, obviously. Very comfortable. Well, in addition to that, (laughs) he's cool. So he helps cool her body off. That was interesting. I guess maybe when you touch reptiles, they're cool to the touch. So that's almost what's happening here. Well, I wouldn't know because I'm never touching one. It's horrible. Every time I see one run through my yard, I have to yell out, lizard. Lizard! Every that's time funny. it's like that's hilarious like a blessing to myself to keep them away or warning to my neighbors that there's lizards out. Be careful. That's like me. Every time I see snapdragons, I have to snap yeah. them. And so <laughs> last night at the wedding, oh, no, there were snapdragons her- in her bouquet and you ran up to the wedding party and started snapping her snapdragons. I was so tempted oh, my- <laughs> to go I like physically had to restrain myself from going up to a bridesmaid who had snapdragons in her bouquet. Oh dear God, I thought you were actually going to say they were on the table. Yeah, you can't take you anywhere. If they were on the table, I definitely would have snapped. Yeah, I have a problem just like you have the lizard announcement problem. (laughs) I have to. (laughs) My only defense against them. So she wakes up. And she's wrapped around Layden as if he's an alien body pillow because he's so cool. Yeah. It was adorable. It was adorable. He ends up making her breakfast. He cooks her. Oh, he tries to give her meat, actually, raw meat. Mm-hmm. She tries to make a fire. She's not successful. He finally realizes what she's trying to do. And he breathes fire out of his mouth and starts the fire for her. Awesome. And I think this man is good with his fingers and his yes. mouth. He's a keeper. <laughs> He's definitely a keeper. Mm-hmm. So she ends up cooking the meat and she's shocked that. He's an honest-to-God fire-breathing dragon, alien, man hybrid. And they communicate enough to figure out each other's names, Mm -hmm. which was cute. And I like that because he's a little reptilian. He says Callista with a lot of S's. That was cute. And she already feels connected to him. But she's thinking, that's crazy. How can I be? But she's definitely has these feelings that was interesting to me too because she's instantly drawn to him and she's almost having the mate pull even though there's no reason for her to be feeling that way yeah so what is that we don't know yet so they continue to walk towards his home 
she's still not doing great because her human body isn't adapted to the sand planet existence like his is. Right. She realizes that his wings aren't big enough to let him fly, but they do help him lift his body a little bit over the surface of the sand so he can kind of walk a little bit on the surface. Yeah. But then for some reason, ever since she came to this conclusion in the book, that that's what his wings are for. I just kept picturing that. What's that lizard thing that has like the big head feature that like oh puffs my God, out? That like is a- exactly what I thought of. Yeah, even though that's not, he doesn't have them on his head. They're wings on his back. But now all I picture him as, as one of those bearded lizard <laughs> things. <laughs> yes. Because that helps them move across the sand. Wow. Yeah, and then they walk really fast and they got that big floppy leg yeah. going when they run. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's funny. Yeah, something about the description just fits. So they're on their way to his city, his house. He stops them because he thinks there's some of those Zumjas nearby, the giant sand sandworm things. Yeah. They weren't there, or they were, but they moved on. So it's not a problem right now, but it's a cause for future concern and something to be aware of. Right. They travel a little bit further, and Layden notices some guster tracks. He thinks that's a good thing because the gusters sleep in a cave where the epis grow. Yeah. And because epis is crucial to living on the desert planet, he knows that the guster meat is infused with epis essence so he wants to kill one so that she can eat it and get a little bit better until he's able to get her the epis plant directly yes so he tries to kill substitute that will help her he tries to kill one so that she can eat it but while he's doing that Callista starts screaming yeah turns out while he's trying to kill the guster Callista's being attacked by something called the sismus (laughs) of course Layden's able to rescue her but he gets a couple small cuts on his even though he's got the scales he gets a little banged up and she gets a little banged up too they're able to continue on their journey for a little bit but they're still pretty far from his city so they have to get to kind of another shelter and fall asleep holding each other again and it's cute because he thinks about how she is his and how she has given his life purpose Mm -hmm. he's so cute he's very cute and she thinks he's much different than the men on the planet. He's already makes her feel safe and protected. He thinks she has infused my long empty life with purpose, given me meaning. No matter what, I can't lose her. Mm-hmm. Oh, swoon. swoon. Yeah, definitely. I swoon for this guy. So the next morning they wake up again. He's cooks her more food, more meat. It's definitely the way to my heart. Just keep throwing yeah. food at me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He wants her to stay where she is so that he can go off and do something. But of course she doesn't sit still and instead she goes off to explore the area and try to check out any plants that she can find. Yeah, why don't people listen? You're on a weird planet. You don't know what the hell's going on. This guy obviously knows what's happening. Listen to him. Okay, so she already knows that there's dangerous animals out there. She's seen a few different 
types of animals. Right. But I don't know. Her scientific pull to explore is so high that she has to go off and check out the other plants that she's seeing, I guess. Because she starts looking at the plants and doesn't she? She ends up picking some, doesn't she? To catalog later. I don't know what she's thinking. My survival instincts would kick in over my scientific instincts. Mine too. While she's walking around ignoring everything he's told her, (laughs) she starts to hear water splashing and it turns out that it's Layden bathing in an oasis. Yeah, I don't understand why when I read this part, I was like, why couldn't he take her with him to this oasis to bathe? Because then she wouldn't have the opportunity to be a creeper and stare at his massive erection. Oh, okay. (laughs) Thank you for explaining that. This whole scene was kind of weird because... I don't think it was needed really at all. I agree. She stares at him. He's bathing. Of course, she thinks about how massive he is everywhere. Mm -hmm. He comes out of the water and thinks, oh, is it go time because you are approaching Mm -hmm. me? She gets freaked out when he approaches and she just runs off and starts crying. Yeah. She's run far enough away that she ends up in a crop of trees. (laughs) This bitch. Yeah. She's crying and then she's thinking, oh, I probably shouldn't run off because I trust him and he's taking care of me and there's dangerous creatures here. So she finally gets up and she goes to walk back to where he is and these huge gorilla type things start jumping out of the trees and landing by her. Surround her. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, if he sees her... That was the other thing I had a problem with this chapter because if he's in this water, he sees her start running off. He can't run after her right then and grab her. He lets her get away. So the next chapter is in his point of view and he's talking about or thinking about how he's putting his clothes on. Right. This is one of the scenes that I didn't think was necessary at all and was just added to go into this expansion of the novel, I That's think. That's exactly what I thought. It's like if this is what was written to expand this novel it was totally unnecessary i agree so he finally catches up with her and sees that she's surrounded by the monkey creatures <laughs> he calls the monkey creatures Madgeman, mm-hmm. and he sees that the alpha of the pack has her and is trying to claim her as a prize basically dragging her around by her hair yeah laden has to fight the alpha until he and the other Madgemans run off He doesn't want to kill the alpha because he thinks it would be wasteful because these gorilla things don't even taste good. Right. So he wouldn't even want to eat it. And so eventually he does win and all of those monkey things take off. So he takes her back to the makeshift camp that he has and he tends to the wounds that she's gotten from the Majmuns. Yeah, and he's furious at her because she put herself in danger. Mm -hmm. And he's thinking, anger pulses with every beat of my heart. I have to make her understand that she can't do this again. She is my greatest treasure and this planet is too dangerous. And it was pretty simple instructions. <laughs> Stay here. Yeah. Maybe this whole scene was a setup for what happens in chapter 17 because a lot happens in this next chapter. Okay. But why does he need to take a bath? Why does he not take her with him? Mm-hmm. Why does she have to have this fight with other creatures? I feel like every time we turn around in this book, 
they're fighting some other planet creature. Yeah, there's a lot on this planet. I don't know. I would have just died of being terrified. She starts thinking about having sex with him after he saved her. Okay, what is it with nursing duties in the books that really turns people on? I have no idea. It shows a tender side (laughs) of them, but you're right. There's a lot of those scenes in these books. Is there some sort of nurse fetish I've never heard of before? I don't know. I I can't relate to that. I don't either, but something about him tending to her wounds makes her incredibly horny. Yeah, and she's like, how could I not want this man? And he is a man, even though he's different. So they go from him covering her basically head to toe with this goo paste type mm-hmm. thing. I just picture Vic's vapor rub because oh, no. she thinks about how... How it kind of stings at first, but then it feels cool. I just think of Neosporum. But it has a feeling to it because when he first starts to do it, it doesn't feel good. And then it does. Oh, yes. It's like icy no, hot, there I you guess. Go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so even though she's injured, covered head to toe <laughs> with all of this paste, yeah. she gets really into it. And they do have a lot of consent here, which is good, even though they can't talk. Right. They can't understand each mm-hmm. other. So the consent in this book is really good. I will give the author that. Yes. It's so good that he ends up going down on her. Yes. Which, okay, my note is he's a fire breathing dragon. I don't think I would allow his <laughs> mouth anywhere near there. But oh. that's just me. Yeah. Once he's done that. Okay, this joke though. This joke was so fucking bad. I have to say it. All okay. Right. When he's done, she thinks, damn, that was amazing. We can't even speak to each other, yet you're a masterfully cunning linguist. Yeah. Oh my God, really? <laughs> I wrote this quote in my book as one of my favorite quotes. My orgasm rushes through me like a hurricane blowing away everything before it. I'm like, that was a good line. That's a good line. So there are some good things in here, but then there's like this cheesy yeah, joke. Yeah, that's right. Or the earlier fight that she's having with her friends over Tatooine versus Vulcan that I could really do without. Right. So now he's ready to mount her and I would be terrified because there's these, I don't even know how to describe them, mounds or ridges on his penis and his dick is super gigantic and she thinks I want him so bad and I know he won't hurt me. I know that if he we start to do this and it starts to hurt, he'll stop. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what planet you're on, but all right. She's on planet Vulcan. Duh. duh. <laughs> right. So they start to have sex. It is good. They go really slow. He's very attentive to all the little signs that she's giving him even though they can't talk so like i said the consent is very good throughout the whole thing she loves the ridges that he has ribbed for her pleasure apparently (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh dear so when they do it the first time he's on top of her when he's done he sits back on his like um what do you call it i want to say like sits on his haunches but he's like he sits back somehow yeah let's just say haunches so that we can, we okay. can get to the really good part. Okay, so what the fuck? <laughs> so his... <laughs> I'm like, what in the name of all that is good and holy is happening now? <laughs> What's happening now is double the pleasure, double the fun. Because the first, what he calls his prime cock, yeah. is deflating. But now he's got a second one that comes out of basically nowhere yes yes apparently so she sees this second penis emerge and 
I would be very freaked out, but I guess because she's a scientist, she knows that snakes on Earth had two penises to ensure fertilization. Good Lord, is this actual science on Earth? I'm afraid to Google it. Yeah, I thought the same thing, and I also thought of Googling it, but then was too scared to do so. (laughs) (laughs) So... Because he's part reptile, a dragon, and she's just really leaned into Mm -hmm. it, she is not freaked out at all. I would be fucking horrified. Yeah, I would too. Instead of running off screaming, she just has him lay on his back so then she can have, continue having fun. Right. With with him. He's like, well, in for a dime, in for a dollar. (laughs) (laughs) Might as well experience the whole new world experience of sex. Now they have a whole other sex scene with his with his second, which it doesn't really get described that much. Is it exactly the same as the first one or does it look different? I'm afraid to say I wanted more details. Well, I think but I did. Yeah, there are some details because she says she I push down until he's fully seated and then I rise up as I do my clit rubs against his protruding knob. What? He's got a knob too? Okay, and once more lightning strikes of pleasure react within her. Hmm, okay. But then also while she's doing that, he's using his tail to give her a shoulder back massage. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. That would be kind of nice. Well, that, <laughs> Later on in the book, that tail does something else. And I was like, oh, my God, how is this so hot to me? I don't know. But OK. Oh, you must have gotten a lot further than me. I haven't gone to that. Oh, part yeah. Yet. Well, that's basically the end of Chapter 17. Yeah, that's it. That's a great spot for us to end. Yeah, on. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, this book is a trip so far. So I'm excited to see how it ends. Yeah. Have you finished it? Yeah, I did. Okay, I think I'm only up to chapter 25 or something. I'm losing my mind. Do we talk about what we think of this so far? Or do we just wrap this up? I mean, we can talk about what we think of it so far if you can not give me spoilers for what I haven't read yet. So if you just want to talk up to chapter 17, that's fine. Go ahead. What did... What are you thinking so far? I'm thinking I'm interested in this book. I think it's fascinating. I love how he is with her. He's super sweet and super tender. And it's a whole new world to her because like we had said before, men really, because they know the human men know the human females have to mate with them. They don't give a crap. I think it's why it makes these alien men especially this alien man dragon with these beautiful green eyes so attractive what did you think i'm liking the book so far the thing that i'm actually not liking about the book is that i feel like it's too similar to ice planet barbarians i agree while i really liked ice planet barbarians even though this is a desert planet not an ice planet and there's sand and not and whatever Mm -hmm. there's some things that are too similar it's almost like a fan fiction for Ice Planet Barbarians. I don't but, know what a fan fiction is, but okay, I'll have to agree with you. Fan fiction is basically like a love note, a love letter to your favorite story. So because like imitation is the most sincere form oh, of flattery okay. or whatever that saying yeah. is. So you're like writing your version of the story. I'm not saying that the author purposely did that. I'll say this at the end again, but there's actually a lot of errors in this book considering it's the 
expanded version. Yeah, I noticed that too. So that kind of bugs me. But overall, I do like the story. So far, I'm liking the story. I do too. And the characters. I love him. But it's just like the little gripes I have so yeah, far. Yeah, I, I love him. And I, the dichotomy of the, like I said before, of the primitive part of him and the advanced civilization that their technology is way beyond anything these humans have is interesting to me. I have a hard time uh, understanding that, but okay. When he wants to get to his city, I think of, well, how did, were they having board meetings with sitting in chairs with these tails? I don't know. <laughs> understand it yeah that's a good point i guess they were because the whole planet you have to adapt so maybe it's kind of like zootopia right yes so yeah so i finished that book and i you know i jump around because like we had talked before about the mood reading like what mood am i in i started reading one book and i was like i really don't want to read this oh i went back to the book if my stupid kindle would open 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 <laughs> remember when we were reading that book we did the podcast on the oh for god's sake kara learn your words let me get into this the dragon marshall's treasure do you remember that by zoe chant yes okay i thought i'm gonna go back to that series and i'm gonna start book two and i started book two and then i was like i don't think i can get into this right now i don't have the right mindset for that so then i went into the dragon's mate which is the second book in this series oh okay then that wasn't doing it for me okay uh so then i went into the library and the orc the librarian and the orc by finley fine back mm. in the orc thing and i was hooked okay what book number is that do you remember it's number two okay then i think i've read that no, no is it's it... three no it's got to be book number three yeah did you read book three no i read the first two books that's why i was thrown off because book number one is the lady and the orc book number two is the heiress and the orc right i've read those two i found two different reading orders for this series oh really yeah but that's then weird. when i went back i found this order reading order and it was the librarian and the orc hmm okay probably doesn't matter but you're liking it so far i am liking it so far but i've read the duchess and the orc i don't know i i'm confused but now i'm on the librarian one these books okay. are always hot <laughs> yes they yeah, are yeah they are and i told you i finished the ruby dixon half orcs maiden bride i loved that book we are not reviewing that book so i'm going to talk about it just briefly highly recommend it i gave it five stars oh wow okay yeah i love ruby dixon and i love her writing style and i thought this book was really good it's only 190 pages i think so i highly recommend to you or anyone to read it it's okay. a standalone I'll have to check it so out you don't have to you know what i mean you don't have to get hooked into another series right. okay and i love the fact that she dedicated this book to finley fine mm -hmm. that was super cute. yeah and she's like if you want to read you know like a really lusty author that is great writing orc books finley fine would be the person you go to it was different it was a okay. different read 
So you should read it, Rach. Okay. My book that I'm going to read after this is, so I'm reading a contemporary series called The Dreamland Billionaires by Lauren Asher. Mm. I finished book one that was called The Fine Print. I told you about that one where the guy has to go back to basically like the author's version of Disneyland and take over. Oh, right. So the next book, I that's what I want to read next. It's called Terms and Conditions. That's follows a different brother in the family who's also a billionaire yes they're all it's the series covers three brothers in the family and they're all connected to having to do these certain tasks to fulfill the terms of their grandfather's will the first son the first grandson had to go back to the amusement park and kind of revamp it and get approval from the board the second son second grandson has to do <laughs> the second grandson has to get married and have a baby and start a family Is there music in the background where you are yes one of my kids just woke <laughs> up so yes good thing we're about to yeah, wrap good. up <laughs> oh, they're great okay it's not the dogs yeah. it's the children yes exactly mm. so anyways so it's memorial day weekend so we're gonna relax and hang out and you and I are going to go see a movie in a couple days. I'm excited for yeah, that. Yeah, too. I'm so I'm start I'm kicking off the celebration by going to the grocery store. Okay, can you simmer down a little bit and not party too I know. hard? If you get a co- if you get a call <laughs> from the police, please come bail me out of jail for partying at the grocery store. <laughs> Causing a scene when the cash oh, register tells you the total. Yeah. If you remember, send me some pictures of the dogs and I will post a picture of all of our pets on our Instagram and page. the parlor. Yes. In the Facebook group that I really don't do anything. Yeah, in. well, now you can post dog <laughs> pictures. All right. Okay. I will do it. Okay. All right, you have a great day, babe. All right. Talk okay, to you bye. later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bonded Books Podcast. You can rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Our email is bondedbookspodcast at gmail.com. And check the show notes for a link to all of our social media. Mm-hmm.